Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. The Lumber Word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry, including trading ideas, market trends, and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets. Welcome to The Lumber Word. We wish to We're emphasize that the discussions Beamer, and opinions Greg expressed Riley, and in this Ashley podcast are purely for the world informational and entertainment purposes. We bring you they should not be considered as financial or investment and market trends. We encourage our, our listeners to make their own financial decisions in the supply taking chain. into account their unique circumstances Join us for informative and, and entertaining goals. discussions that and to seek professional financial advice about necessary. all things lumber. All right, everybody, welcome to the new episode of The Lumber Word. We've got a great guest this week. First of all, introduce Matt Beamer again from Hampton Lumber Sales. Matt, great to have you back. Greg Riley, Sitka USA, and our guest this week, you've probably heard him on some of our other shows before, Russ Taylor. Russ is kind of an icon in the industry. Russ Taylor Global is his business. Uh, you can find that at russtaylorglobal.com. Is that correct, Russ? That's correct. And uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation, you guys. You bet. What we want to do is today, since we went through a holiday last week, talk a little bit about uh, the Case Schiller. New home sales, and then we're going to jump into talking about Russ's trip around the world and talking about Euro, and Russ sent us some more information over this morning that it's going to be great to talk about on uh, on the cost of lumber. That's something everybody's chasing, trying to figure out what that is all the time. So this week was a little bit, little bit different coming back from the holidays, I would say. Greg and Matt will just follow up a little bit. I mean, shipments, shipments seem to be decent. The board is keeping a pretty good premium to the cash market, but maybe a little bit of a lull this week, but we've kind of got hit by bad weather across the Midwest here. And I don't think that's anything surprising. Still selling a lot of lumber. Yeah, what, uh, what's I had your a really that, surprisingly busy week last week for a short week in a holiday week. Um, I'm not as busy this week, but I kind of expected that you get your post holiday kind of hangover. And that really, if you look historically, that period of time between Thanksgiving and New Year's is pretty choppy. The most interesting thing that usually occurs over the next five weeks is uh, end of year inventory taxes in some states, end of year inventory liquidation or corrections in terms of like if you're a trader and you've got some old inventory and your boss is saying, hey, you need to get rid of these, you know, five trucks, of two before nines that you've had since uh, May of 2022. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll get some of that kind of stuff going on over the next five weeks. I mean, I'm. I'm not immune from that. I've got, I, yeah, I, I resemble I, we that. All do. I if, resemble you, that. if you manage inventory, you're going to have some beaks and feathers that you need to deal with. And then typically in a normal year, you get weather and you're going to get some mill curtailments of various length and not related to weather this year. I think uh, you'll see like, we just lost about a half a week of production here last week for the holiday. And word on the street is, from people that are in the know here over in the West Coast, the West Coast mills are going to be losing about a week and a half's production here at the end of this month. So you're talking like over the five-week period, you're going to lose two weeks of production. And you're you're if you're a West Coast sawmill and you're following that trend, you only have three weeks worth of production to sell between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's, which makes your job a little bit easier. And, and we come back from the new year, everybody's ready to go. And who knows what the weather's going to have, what kind of impact it'll have on production. But usually there's something, right? 
this if you're going to get winter storms and and weird things ice storms and stuff like that that happens in december and january in, in the northwest and in, and in british columbia so we got snow on, we got snow on how the long ground here in chicago yeah and, and... it's snow no, i mean on how long has it been since you guys actually here. saw snow I mean... on the ground april yeah. Yeah. Last April, May. I mean, uh, yeah. April, March, April. You know, this is too it's, soon. It's, it's um, just ask real quick. Just on that, on you know, the home sales numbers came out while they were down month to month. They're up seventeen percent year over year. The number that caught some people's attention was the months of inventory, which is up to seven point eight. You know, yeah, if that inventory pushes you know, nine to 10 months worth. That's going to be interesting. But the other thing was that the prices were down. And then we got Chase Schiller yesterday or the day before yesterday, you know, showing a year over year price increase 3.6%, you know, driven heavily by the lack of inventory of existing homes. So, you know, I, I, I look at all of that and what does it tell, what does it tell me? The current status quo is not changing anytime soon. People that are in, you know, two and three quarter, three percent mortgages, um, they're not going to the move unless it's, you know, some something major happening. But on the margin, they're they're not going to move. So that inventory of existing homes is going to stay the same, and that prices and the prices of existing homes are going to stay elevated not under pressure well greg greg you said on linkedin you basically you somebody you said the spread between new and existing home prices continues to narrow i'm quoting you here will new home prices become less expensive than existing home prices that's going to be you know and, and in some markets i think you could see that uh you may be seeing it already but you'll you'll see that you know the builders still have the opportunity with whether it's through interest rate buy down uh, and other prices to keep that inventory moving, and they're going to be they're incentivized to continue to do that. They're in the job of building and selling homes, so they're going to they're going to make that happen. And we know that the underlying demographics are very very positive. You know we've got an affordability issue driven by price and interest rates. Prices are correcting. What's the wild card for twenty twenty four? Somewhere in the you know second third quarter, you do get a significant reduction in interest rates, and boom, sales go through the roof. Well, that's it's a great point. I mean, it is an election year, and as we sit here today, everybody's already talking about the quote unquote whisper of the Fed making a cut early in the year. And yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen. That's well, that's, I, I'm that's, just I'm just saying that that's that's, that's out bullshit. there right now. Uh, okay. But but let's 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 I mean, well, you, we also we also have an administration telling like people, you everybody, you should reduce your prices, stop price gouging people. Like, you know, I, yeah. I mean, the insanity of our economic policy are beyond basically the Greg, pale. it boils down to Look you at have Jamie, the White House insanity. wanting to pump money into the economy and you have the Fed trying to slow it down. They're basically battling each other right now. So is this the part that is this the part that uh, Dave's going to like edit out when my rant? That's not really a rant. Well, you're talking. Well, you're telling the whole story, which is that our I, own I, government is fighting amongst I, themselves as to what our fiscal policy is going to really be. What is it, Greg? What is this truth <laughs> that you speak of? What one thing I do want to go back to is talk about 
repair and remodel, which you actually asked if repair and remodel will increase as more existing homeowners stay put. Another interesting stat that came out yesterday was the work from home. They track how many people are going back to offices, and that has seemed to stall where there's not a lot more people going back to the offices right now. So when I look at the big boxes, anticipating one saying maybe a little bit better last next year and one saying maybe not as good next year, could that be a wild card where all of a sudden – like you said, people stay put in repair and remodel. Last year, I think we, we year. felt like yeah. after yeah. two years of, so about if you just rewind the, the clock a year from, from today, if we had this conversation a year ago, all of us expected a return to normalcy. That was sort of the theme of 2022 going into 2023. We weren't going to see the gigantic, you know, $1,100 moves to the upside that we'd be more range bound and uh, and things would calm down. Well, guess what? That's exactly what has happened in 2023. So kudos to all of us for reading the tea leaves correctly. I think next year's a little murkier, right? The Home Depot lows, the retail trade, their their forecast is flat. The home builders forecasts are flat. The wild card is production. Nothing's really going to be like, it doesn't feel to me like the market is going to be dragged by demand. It's going to be pushed by production. And so whether we, whether we go into 2024 with more production on the schedule or less production on the schedule is really going to have the biggest influence on actual prices as we go through the year. What a great segue yeah. to bring Russ in, Ash. Yeah. And it was, yeah, just, just, I, I have try. to have my I little. Keep that my, up. <laughs> Jamie Dimon did come out yesterday and he basically made a point that rates don't just roll over this easy and he still sees an environment of uh of a little of higher rates a little bit longer than most people see them which I kind of have to be on his uh, I I'm I'm kind of looking where he's where he's looking at I, I you know like if somebody was going to make you know I mean if I was going to bet on rates unless things dramatically crumble in the first quarter by the time we get in the second quarter i don't know that the fed's going to be doing anything in front of the election they may let that just slide right there you go there you go so as you said great segue to russ and russ i love the the point you brought over about this morning about which i never thought about till you brought it up southern yellow pine production costs in all the production costs but i guess what we could start out by how was your trip overseas where did you go to what did you learn yeah well, i had a chance to uh well it got longer and longer but uh you know longest <laughs> business trip of my career but ended up uh first of all at a conference in montreal on allets which i didn't realize, realize it's about 10 percent of uh 10 billion board foot market totally hardwood and softwood massive market and then i spent a week in in uh, europe at a, the annual softwood conference and there all the players are there so uh, you talk to all the the sawmills you know everyone's losing money in in europe i dare to ask a couple of companies you know is it double digits yet and of course you have to be careful because they often talk about ebit after versus cash costs. interest so, interest taxes and depreciation mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and yeah exactly and so I, I, I a lot of that's non-cash exactly and i i always track ebitda so and so do they in europe but uh, but normally you talk about cash costs as well but so they're all losing money and and uh you know the you know economies are demand is crashing in like germany in particular and and so everyone's looking for export markets the question i keep getting is you know how, how's the u.s market 
how's the China market? Any other markets we can go to? What about Australia? And they're all trying to get wood, you know, moving before they have to shut down. So tough situation. But all the big countries, uh, you know, Germany, Austria, Estonia, and Latvia—they're having terrible uh, log prices, and in uh, Finland as well, having some tight, tight log supplies. So they're all—they're all, that, they're all you know, in trouble. Russ, that being said, you know, I'm looking at this, the most recent statistics in. European imports are like through the third quarter are down like a couple percentage, which 90, 80, 90% of that is driven by one country, Romania. So like everybody else, Sweden, Finland, Germany, Austria, they're basically kind of like flatter up in imports to US year to date. Yeah, that, that's right. Although it's starting to trend down a little bit uh, as as some curtailments are, are kicking in, but they have nowhere else to go. And and I did some quick calculations looking at, and it's it all depends on the log price, right? You know, Germany's got the beetlewood, and if and if a mill's running 100% on beetlewood, uh, they can make money selling to the U.S. right now. I mean, a skinny margin at best. It's the Sweden is the next biggest exporter to to the U.S. Uh, their log price is higher, but their currency is a bit weaker. But they'd be uh, they'd be hard pressed to be making any money according to my to my numbers and um, and then you know one of the worst well before I leave Europe the other thing about Europe is you know so who is making money in the continent or in Europe and the the region that's making actually reasonable margins right now is actually Northwest Russia which I would have written them off a year, a year ago I wrote them off they had nowhere to go with their uh, lumber blockaded by uh, no exports out of the Port of St. Petersburg, going to the Black Sea or, or all the way to China. But now there's a lot of carriers coming into uh, St. Petersburg. There's a glut of containers. So they've got, uh, you know, cheap freight rates, as does Scandinavia and, and, and Europe as well. You know, $500 a container compared to, you know, five times that a year ago. So they're actually um, with a weaker ruble and uh, log costs coming down, a little bit higher prices in China. They're doing actually uh, margin wise, they're probably the best. So. That was a surprise. But of course, they can't impact the US market, so we don't have to worry about them. But they're impacting China and some of the uh, Middle East markets and some of the uh, Is that because, Russ, that as well. they're so embargoed in the US of because of the U Ukraine deal? Okay. Correct. All the sanctions. So they can't go into Europe. They can't go into the US, but they can go into like Japan. It's still puzzling why Japan's allowing, uh, like, I know some of the reasons, but they're, they're allowing uh, lumber in into 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 japan so that's uh that continues hey Range. russ i have one one question on the beetle kill slash blowdown or whatever they have over in europe that, that you just said that some of these mills that are cutting some of this beetle kill and sending it over are still profitable how long is do you sense that that basket is there to cut out of uh, how how much is there what how long does that go on for what are they primarily cutting out of that and and what's the yeah, shelf well, life on that? Yeah, well, the shelf life is about a year, a year and a bit, maybe a year and a half, but typically a year. And okay. uh, even the Chinese won't take it after a year and a half. So uh, it's just has a very, very short life, unlike pine that can last, you know, 10, 15 years. But the supply, the, I mean, the beetle wood peaked in, in 2019, 2020, and it's been sort of easing down ever since. They had a warm summer, uh, a, very, a hot summer last year. Uh, or this year, I mean, so the they think next year it could be setting up for a little bit of a steady year-over-year -year change, but it's uh, it's down about 40% what it was, say, uh, three, three, four years ago. And this volume will, will trickle down over the next 
three to five years, it's always going to be there because the, the just like in BC, the Beatles keep going and going and going, trying to find food. Uh, but there's going to be less and less food around. So um, and and the the weather can can also impact that as well. So certain pockets of of Germany, uh, a little bit in in Austria and the Czech Republic, and and now Poland as well. They're salvaging beetle wood and because they get it, they have, they have to get it gone within a year. Otherwise, they have no value. So it's a real push. So the beetle wood price has bounced around with the green price, and that's the difference. In, in about four to six months ago, the green price was up, and so was the beetle price. Now everything's slowing down, and you know you can get beetle wood for you know 50, 50 euros a cubic meter in the forest. So that's uh, that's pretty cheap wood compared to uh, what it was uh, you know four to six months ago. So it all depends on the log price. So that's why only beetlewood can really get into the U.S. market at mills there. And uh, and of course they always can't. They can't get 100% beetlewood. So they have to mix in some green wood, and that raises their cost. So it's not a, a pure. It's not pure and simple as to how they can actually operate. But if they dedicate their beetlewood only to U.S. production, which is what they can do over there because they they sort their logs, they can probably stay with the U.S market until the log price starts to creep back up again but then prices are up spf prices are up if that's what they're competing against in the market but if they're competing with southern yellow pine which are down it's they, they don't have a chance right so that's kind of the but they're more they're more competing with spf and at some but in some cases as you guys probably know uh, they are competing with southern yellow pine in, in some applications it is a complicated story trying to figure out exactly do you feel like that they're there. gonna be bringing in like in 2024 less than 2023 or more than 2023 in your opinion russ uh i think i think it's going to be less because so that, remember the us is only a small part of their overall market and demand is plunging in europe and their other markets they have nowhere else to go you know middle east north african markets are their biggest export region and uh those markets are bouncing around no real stability there china's got cheap prices right now as we're finding out in north america it's just cheap pretty cheap prices not great so yeah you've they've got sort of nowhere else to go so the u.s market is an outlet for some of their wood but they're gonna it'll be less volume there's gonna be a lot of curtailments i mean consumption in europe which is their major market 2023 versus last year they're going to be down about 11 percent total consumption and wow. uh next year they're forecasting about uh, negative uh, three to four percent and I think that's going to be a lot lower because that's uh, some countries they had, didn't get forecast for. So it's going to be probably another weak market in Europe. And U.S. is going to be flat next year, pretty much, um, as you guys were saying earlier. So there's no real demand increase anywhere in the world, as far as I can tell. So that means that uh, the European mills are going to looking at, at curtailments very soon just because they have nowhere else to go. And they have to wait for the log cost to come down, which has been very stubborn for the for the landowners or the governments to lower their uh, log prices. Will, will those log prices start coming down? Are they starting to come down? They they are starting to come down, but some some countries, Finland log prices are coming down. Germany, there's a battle between private landowners wanting to because they've made a lot of money and they're if it's beetle wood they'll get rid of it, but some of the green wood they're trying to hang on to. So there's a bit of a battle there. So it just depends on the country and the timing, but I think we'll see. Uh, just because you know supply and demand have to balance or mills curtail, we'll see some some log prices coming down, but some curtailments along the way too. So, Russ, one of the things that we continue to see in the in the U.S. market is 
you know, healthy, healthy liquidity. Obviously, we've, we've, you know, acknowledged that prices are down, you know, I guess I call it bouncing on the bottom. But, you know, we continue to have healthy takeaway. What's your, you know, what's your forecast for production next year? You know, BC, Eastern Canada, Pacific Northwest, Southern Pine. Yeah, well, the, the, the interesting thing is when you look at overall consumption in, the, in say, North America, it, it's been flat for about, about five or six years, incredibly flat. And when you look at production over that same period in North America, it's been down. And down this year, and it'll be down, well, maybe flat next year. So it's because there's regions like in BC, production is still going lower, although probably be flat next year, depending on prices, though. And, and uh, the rest of Canada is relatively flat, no real growth. U.S. West, uh, Matt, you know, it's pretty flat there. There's even declines in, in the harvest in Oregon coming up. So probably less, uh, less production, slightly less production to, to flat. That leaves the U.S. South. That's the only region that's uh, been expanding. Lots of new investment. You know, I, I looked at uh, you know over, over the 2018 to 2022, you know, seven billion board feet of new capacity. But production increases out of the U.S. South over that time frame only half of that, about three and a half billion board feet. So there's a lot of new capacity that just hasn't started uh, up uh, fully yet, and that's going to come on stream. So we'll get increases well, will that only come on in stream. US I mean, when we talk about you know, like so. Southern Pine costs today versus the market price. What's what's that finance look like? Well, that was the surprise doing my analysis because right now, as you know, Southern Yellow Pine prices are are like what three three sixty or something like that, and uh, and, very and, and, nor and 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 normally, yeah, normally Southern Yellow Pine is a trades at a you know fifty plus premium to SP, SPF BC FOB mill, and right now it's trading at a fifty dollar discount. Yeah. So therefore, they're they're around break even, which is why we saw that announcement by Boise Cascade probably shutting down their their mill in Alabama. It sounds like it's a small mill, but nevertheless, uh, uh, not making any money and not going to put any capital into it. So that's you know, Southern Yellow Pine probably bottomed out what maybe last week, and it's, it's mm -hmm. picking up a little bit. So, but uh, normally they they make the most money uh, because they have the you know they have the prices and they have the cost structure. With the cheap logs, you know, kind of like beetlewood in Germany, they've got the cheapest logs in North America, typically around fifty, well, cubic meters, fifty, fifty dollars a cubic meter, which is cheap, fifty dollars a ton. That's cheap wood anywhere in the world, and and that price is still in effect. There's still lots of surplus timber, so the the too much production though, maybe there's too many Canadians down there. They uh, they don't want to shut down, so. They flood the market. Anyways, uh, we'll have to see, see until the. So, so the we say southern. So we say southern pine is at or below the cost of production at the current prices, and there's a lot of excess capacity that could come on, given higher prices. Oh, slowly, it comes on slowly though as well. But uh, but yeah. So I mean the when the when the southern yellow pine prices move up, I mean they're down a hundred bucks in what about uh, two months. Yeah. So if they're back up a hundred bucks, they're making a lot of money. So even if they went halfway back, they'd be the highest margin region in North America at about you know if the prices went to four hundred bucks, they're probably the highest margin region in North America, despite everyone else struggling. So you know. it's amazing how capacity can come back on in a region when people are making a decent chunk of money, and how quickly it can come back on. Yeah, exactly. And 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 again, the only region region that's losing money uh, is uh, is BC. 
and that's uh you know their losses are, yeah. are are at a minimum but the price is up too so their their losses are, are a lot skinnier uh, than than they were before i always thought that the break-even price on two by four uh, was around 425 and, and my numbers sort of indicate that you know it again depends on again log prices in bc because some companies um you know have their own a lot of uh, forest licensed wood that's cheaper but a lot of a lot of the mills now have to rely on open market wood some you know more than half of their volumes are open market wood that's more expensive so they would be losing money are you saying 425 on a, on on a two and better two by four basis or is that a 425 on no a, you know, blended yeah two and better number three yeah that's based on the price the price of two by four alone alone irrespective of the of the lower grades okay yeah so i've done the whole mill sales average and and of course that pulls it way down but the uh 425 on a break even on on a on a two by four number two it's about 425 you know ranging from the low 400s way up to like some some cases 475 if you're buying a lot of open market uh, timber so it's a it's a big range in there but my 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 guess before i did my analysis is about the same as after doing my analysis around 425 yeah uh, that sort of thing when you know i've done the the discussions in eastern canada you know on the full mill profile it's somewhere between 450 and 500 you know boston or great lakes so Obviously, the two and better price is, is up there, but when you look at the number three in the in the in the economy, that really pulls that down. You know what, though, Greg? If you look at print and just look at, I, I'm not talking Eastern because I don't follow that as closely, but Western print, you got two before at 408, two by six is 350, two by eight is 358, two by ten is 340. Uh, the only thing that's even close to a profit is two by twelve. Well, how many two by twelve pieces are coming out of Western sawmills, other than Dunkley and maybe a couple other sawmills that produce a little bit of it? Basically, the entire complex of what they're producing as a two and butter piece of lumber is a loser right now. And then the residuals are really big losers. The only one that has real value is two by four number three. It's printing three forty, uh, which is the same price as two by ten two and butter. So. That's that's kind of weird correlation. It would lead me to buy two by ten two and better just for people that are following the charts. But uh, all the other two by six number three and and lower grades are starting with a two or a one, and all the economy starts with a one. And then their chips are worthless, right? So so sawmills are having trouble with their residuals, and that's a big part of their overall sales average that nobody ever talks about unless you work for a sawmill. That math is not going to work going into 2024 for anybody in North America. Yeah, and you're right, uh, Matt, because that's what I looked at too. I mean, I, I don't always look at the full range of, uh, of, of uh, sizes and grades, but I was shocked that, you know, two by four was the only real high priced item. Everything else you're right is way lower in, in SPF. Uh, Southern Yellow Pine, it's a bit, uh, a little more even, but uh, it is an indication that that's why the break even price has to be so much higher because the, everything else is a loser right now and and uh, is and China's not an option trying to get rid of uh, volume at, at, at a reasonable price prices there are you know they've been da- they've been sliding for 18 months in China one of the trading guys I met over there because I went to China for two weeks after after this and uh, and, uh, and he was complaining bitterly about the buying the SPF business was a real loser and 
and he went on and on and on. And then him and his buddy drove off in, in his buddy's Lamborghini, right? So I don't know uh, what that means. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, I don't know if it's all that bad, but uh, yeah, first world that's what we call first world problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wanted a Bentley. All he could get was a Lamborghini. <laughs> exactly. Do, do, you, do you expect to see more closures in the South now? I mean, obviously we had this first, Boise closure, I'm guessing it's a higher price miller than maybe their fiber basket is expensive. They're sitting in there. But what what would you expect out of the South going forward if we don't see some kind of relief in prices here? Well, we have seen two mills close in Florida in the last year or so, like like because of a tight timber supply and and uh, not wanting to put investments into the mill. You get those kind of curtailments, especially as new capacity comes on and and some log price, some regional log prices will start to pop up and squeeze you know, the marginal suppliers. So I think you'll see some of that. But in a weak markets, I mean, as we've seen in BC, when you're in a high cost producer in weak markets, curtailments and closures are, are inevitable. And so in, in the South, there's there, there's still um, a lot of low, low priced uh, capacity, especially the new capacity, but some of the older mills, you know, one shift mills, family owned, they may decide this is the time to shut her down. But I, I don't you think know, we'll see much if more. They're, if they're still family owned and they didn't sell out, Two three years ago, shame on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, the cash register could have been wrong for a lifetime. I, I guess I kind of get back to a couple of things, a couple of kind of thoughts that always stick in my head. Is number one is is that everybody can lose money for a while, especially when it's a non-cash loss. Nobody can lose money forever. Mills really shut down more significantly when they have a whole bunch of dressed inventory and they can't sell it not when just the prices are below their you know they're, where they're losing money on a you know a fully loaded cost basis as i as i hear everything and i'm talking about it, i'm going okay so you know we're saying consumption next year flattish production marginally lower in north america European imports marginally lower. So it kind of says, tells me, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna have kind of like inventory accumulation rallies and uh, inventory depletion corrections. Matt? We, we will have a very similar year to last year minus the $180 spike in January or February that we, that we somehow, oh, I, I don't even, I don't even know how we got <laughs> that. I mean, looking back on last year, it's, it's funny, I was talking to, a futures buddy of mine and we were we were looking at the charts from last year at this time well in october we got up to like 620 or something like that and then we got down to 350 360 at one point all within and then we went back up to 620 again all within like a like a three or four month period of time this time last year into uh into, into january february so i i don't think we're going to see that in the next 60 90 days i wouldn't no. be surprised to see a a hundred dollar rally. We've been getting hundred dollar rallies all year long, and then and then we just settle back down. Yeah, because I mean, if I contrast this year, this year, this time last year, the sentiment was really, really negative. People were talking about like one point one million housing starts because you know the shock of the interest rate increase was still fresh, and like the talk of a recession in the first half of this year was really high. You know, I contrast that to today, where you know I'm gonna say there's modestly optimistic for the markets for 2024 not nobody's wildly positive but they're modestly optimistic yeah i can't really disagree i mean we we've we've been pleasantly surprised this year have we not 
I mean, yep. we've had a couple of significant rallies throughout the year. Trading has been fairly orderly. There's been decent liquidity. Production and demand seem to be relatively in balance. So, I mean, hey, I've been doing this for 30 years. I, I can handle that type of stress level, right? It, it, when you're li when you're living through the the roller coaster of 2021 and 2022, I don't think I could take five years of that. You know that <laughs> that that's the kind of thing where you're you know I, I I don't have much hair left. I would have negative hair. It, it would be growing inward after five years of that. You know, you know, a couple of years of this though, and it, and that might be a knife. That might be okay. Um, Ashley, for our for a lot of our for a lot of our viewers. You know, we've been talking about, hey, you know, behind the paywall, uh, we have identified a number of very, very lucrative basis trading opportunities. And, you know, so it's a time of year, you know, holiday season's coming. If people have some money, they would like to invest in a managed risk scenario for 2024. Please, uh, please ring us up. We can uh, partner on basis trades with folks. Or for the right price, we can open that door for them. Well, it's crazy you were just saying that, Greg, because after listening to Russ talking about Pine and looking at the premium that bye, the bye, CME, bye. The, oh. the, the premium <laughs> that the CM, the CME is carrying, right? There are some great basis trades out there. And talk when Matt identified some of the other non two by four items, there's some pretty uh, pretty stellar uh, potential trades out there. We got some, some two by ten at these days, Matt. You got some two by ten in Babine? You know, honestly, dude, we don't. We don't. We 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 ran a couple weeks worth of him fur, which we oh never. Uh, we did that. We did that once this year, and we just got done with that. We so uh, I've been selling him fur north out of uh, Babine for the last couple three weeks, and we're going That's back. That's got to be beautiful. That has to be beautiful lumber. It, uh, I'm sure it is. It's, you know, we're not pulling out of it. It's uh, it's old fashioned fancy lumber is how I is how I describe right, it right um, right they did that and then we're right back into two before heavy two before again so i don't think we don't really make a lot of two by ten anyhow i mean that mill's really designed Nobody to does. lots of Nobody two before and so then you know our business has been pretty good in babine prices aren't really super strong they're up a little bit but they're not you know it's not like we're going up 50 60 dollars at a chunk here it's just it's been a steadily decent and surprisingly pleasant holiday market here so what are my thoughts here when I'm looking at the players in the new home sales, the big, the big builders, maybe a little bit less repair and remodel going on. I mean, there probably isn't as much two by 10 and two by eight going into the market right now. And that's what the price is telling you. Does that make sense, Matt? I mean, you I get think a lot this of is just a slack so time forth. of year where the treaters are sort of, you know, in that in between. That'll fix itself. The two by eight and two by ten markets usually correct themselves sometime in the first or second quarter, but it's not uncommon to be able to invest in in relatively undervalued two by ten, two by eight, two by twelve in you know October, November, December, any year really. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So Russ, R right. Russ, when, what do you have going uh, first part of the year? You have any more trips planned? How do people get a hold of you? And uh, what is Russ Taylor uh, doing for two thousand and twenty four? Yeah, well, uh, I thought maybe I might be slowing down, but that's not the case. I'm actually just working <laughs> on a China Outlook report. That's why I went to China. So that'll be out in February. And uh, and then in a, in a week or two, I'll be announcing uh, a new uh, another conference series that I'll be starting up fall of uh, 2024. We're going to go back doing the kind of what we used to do, uh, 
kind of a global conference uh, talking about the trade. So that's coming up. So those are the things I've got going. And um, all that's uh, at www.russtaylorglobal.com. And all those sort of things are going on and uh, probably doing a little bit of travel. I'm not sure yet. I'll be going to a few conferences and um, probably heading back to Europe in the fall. Well, we love having you on as a guest, uh, Russ. You're always uh, you always add like so much so much content and tremendously knowledgeable. So we really we really enjoy it. Yeah, thanks, Russ. I'm fascinated yeah, by sure. Russ, honestly, Russ. You you occupy you occupy a spot in this industry which is really rare and and valuable. So thank you. Oh, well, thank. Well, tell all your friends then, because. <laughs> It all helps, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, and, and, and Greg, thanks for the nudge to, to, to review my uh, cost because I don't always do that. But it was interesting. I really learned a lot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for you, brother. I'm here for you. Hey, right, listen, guys, hey. uh, yep. Dash, you want to well, wrap it? Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode of the Lumber Word. Um, once we get this published, uh, we want you to also go back and look at some of the previous ones we had. But also reach out to Russ if you want to really get uh, get inside information on the costs all over the globe, which will really help you become a better trader or a better builder or a better production builder. So guys, thank you so what much about, for the time. What about a better person? What about a better, <laughs> a better person? <laughs> a better person, especially this time of the year. It's, exactly. always, it's always good to be grateful for that. So thank you guys. Awesome, guys. We'll look, we'll look forward to talking again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. The Lumber Word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry, including trading ideas, market trends, and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets. We wish to emphasize that the discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions, taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.